invite you to open them to 1 Kings chapter 18. In just a moment, we're going to begin reading with verse 42. 1 Kings 18, beginning with verse 42. Also turn to James chapter 5. We're going to be going there as well. Welcome tonight to a very special service as you're turning to 1 Kings 18. A service that I hope will transform your life and the life of many others. I want to remind you that what we're going to do on the front end of this service is very important. I know it's not perhaps why you came. You're more interested in the back end. But the front end is important. Because I want you to understand the God of the Bible is not just the God of the past, He's the God of the present. He's not just the God of yesterday, He's a God of today. He's not just a God of what happened then, but He's a God of what is happening now. And so it's very important that we understand some principles of prayer as we head into a prayer service. A prayer service that will not end tonight, by the way. This is not a one-shot deal. It'll be an ongoing thing, I hope and pray. 1 Kings 18, beginning with verse 42. The Bible says, King Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah the prophet went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And then he bowed down on the ground, the prophet, and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. The servant went up and looked and said, I see nothing. The prophet told him to go seven times again and again. Then it came at the seventh time that the servant said, I do see a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand. It's rising up out of the sea. And Elijah said, Go and tell King Ahab he better get in his chariot and get out of Dodge. No. It says, prepare his chariot and to go down before the rain stops him. Now it happened in the meantime, verse 45, that the sky suddenly turned black and the clouds and the winds began to appear and blow. And there came a heavy rain. And Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. James's commentary, if you will, on what we just read. James says in verse 16 of chapter 5, Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah, remember him from 1 Kings 18? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah, we're going to learn some prayer principles from this prophet of God. 
I want to begin by letting you know Elijah was an ordinary man. I think that's important for us to allow to sink into our mind and into our heart. He was an ordinary man. He wasn't Green Lantern. He wasn't Iron Man. He wasn't Dr. Fate. He didn't have an energy ring that sh would shoot out green energy. He didn't have a suit of armor that he wore. He didn't have a mask of magic that allowed him to do supernatural things. All Elijah had was prayer. And this ordinary man of God did extraordinary things on his knees. I want you to hear me. He was an ordinary man. Because I think one of the problems we have in the church of Jesus Christ is we are filled with people who have a low self-esteem about how God can use them. They look in the spiritual mirror and they say, God can't use me. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too afraid. I'm too weak. I'm too flawed. I'm just an ordinary person. May I say to you, God uses ordinary people. In fact, some might say that God loves ordinary people more than any other kind of person because he made more of them. Most of us here tonight are ordinary people. But God wants to use us in extraordinary ways if we'll let him. God used Elijah. He was an ordinary man. He had fears. He had aging issues. He had weakness. He had flaws. But God used him to bring rain to a nation that was in a three-and-a-half-year drought. They hadn't seen one drop of rain in three-and-a-half years. And he used this prophet not only to bring rain, he used him to bring revival. Now I want us to look at some of the prayer principles that we're going to employ tonight and after tonight that we learn from Elijah, ordinary man who got on his knees and prayed and God used him to do extraordinary things. Just like God is going to use ordinary people tonight to do some extraordinary things. The first thing I want you to see Elijah prayed with holiness. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a holy man, availeth much. Elijah was a righteous man, and he incorporated that righteousness into his prayer life. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, see if you can answer it. Why don't we see many prayers answered today? Why don't we see, when God's people pray, answers come forth from those prayers? Let me tell you. But you might really not want to know when I tell you. It's because the people of God have unrepentant, unconfessed sin in our lives. When there is unrepentant sin, unconfessed sin, in a child of God, 
or a church of God, or both, you are not going to see the power of God. Get it down big, get it down plain, get it down straight. Sin in our lives will cause God to turn a deaf ear to our prayers. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Iniquity is sin. Elijah was not a perfect man. He was a prophet, but he wasn't a perfect man. And by the way, I don't know that any of us are perfect. There is no perfect people. He failed God many times. He fell on his face in service of God many times. He said things he shouldn't have said. He did things he shouldn't have done. But he found cleansing and he found forgiveness each and every day of his life. The Bible says if we confess our sin. You know what that word confess means? Acknowledge we did it. We're wonderful at blaming somebody, aren't we? We're wonderful at pointing the finger at somebody. I said this because you said that. I did this because you did that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not confession. Confession is, Lord, I said what I said because I wanted to say it. I did what I did because I wanted to do it. Lord, I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wicked. I did it anyway. That's, that's confession. You own up to what you do. And the Bible says if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of our iniquities. No, Elijah wasn't a perfect man, but he was a righteous man because every time he messed up, he went to God with his mess up. He asked God to forgive him. He asked God to cleanse him. And God did. And he will for us as well. Elijah prayed with holiness, with righteousness. We need to do that too tonight and in the days and weeks and months to come. Elijah also prayed with sincerity. In 1 Kings 18, verse 42, it says, Elijah went up to the top of the mountain, the top of Mount Carmel, to pray. I wonder why the Bible tells us that. Why didn't it just tell us he prayed? Why does the Bible tell us he went up to the top of the mountain to pray? I believe the idea is that Elijah wanted to be alone. He wanted to be alone with God. And he went to the top of the mountain because there he could find the solitude that he needed and he wanted that he could commune with his God. Ladies and gentlemen, I think sometimes we need to get away sometimes and pray to God alone. You see, prayer is not a performance that others can view us. Prayer is not a recital for other people to hear us. Prayer is not for public consumption. The best praying that you will ever do is when you're on top of the mountain too. In a place of solitude, in a prayer closet where you're alone. It's just you and God. And you can say what you want to say without the fear of somebody else hearing it. You can do what you want to do without having to worry about what someone else might think 
It's your time alone with the Father. It is these kind of prayers that I believe make a difference. When we get alone with God and we pour out our thoughts, we pour out our feelings, we tell Him what's on our mind, we tell Him what's on our heart, and we do so sincerely and honestly and, quite frankly, desperately at times. If you study the Gospels, you'll find there's two examples of prayer for us. One of them is that of the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees believed that when you pray, you pray so everybody else can see you, so everybody else can hear you. Everything they did was for public consumption because they wanted the people to do what? Applaud them for how spiritual they were. Their prayers were a shame and a sham, and God had none of them. But Jesus, who is our example, It says time and time again in the Scriptures, the Lord Jesus Christ, when He needed to be with the Father, He got away. He would go somewhere He would be by Himself. And He could talk freely to the Father without the worries of what people might think or feel. It wasn't about performance to Him. It was about a relationship that needed to be built on. Elijah prayed with sincerity. He didn't pray for others to hear him or see him. He prayed with holiness. He was a man that was right with God through confession and repentance each and every day of his life. Thirdly, he prayed with humility. It says in verse 42 that he cast himself down and put his face between his knees. Now, the language would suggest that he was in a fetal position on the ground as he prayed. He fell on the ground, put himself in a fetal position. Now, he was a proud man. He was as bold as a lion. But when he came to God, he came with humility. He came with humility. He came as meek as a lamb. It's been wisely said, if a president came into this congregation, we would stand in respect. If Jesus Christ came into this congregation, we would fall on our face and worship. No man stands in the presence of the living God. And Elijah understood that. The Bible says, if we'll humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us in due time. The problem is, so many times, we the saints strut by God like self-righteous egomaniacs, believing that we are doing God a favor to tip our hat to Him. Is that you and me sometimes? You think God is impressed because we're on His side? You think God is impressed because we... Wave at him every now and then. Hi, God. Bye, God. Good to see you. See you later. No, he's not. If you want to touch God on high, you need to drop to your face on low. And Elijah understood that. Do we? Also, something else about Elijah's praying that's interesting. He prayed righteously 
He prayed sincerely. He prayed humbly. He also prayed with passion. In James 5.16, the effectual, fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now in context, this is speaking of Elijah. But he also should be speaking to us as well. You know what the word fervent means? It's an old word that means many different things. It's like a diamond. When you look at a diamond, you see many different facets or nuances of a diamond depending on what direction you look at it, depending on how the light is shining upon it. The word fervent has a a facet to it that means desperation. Desperation. It also has a facet that means energy and emotion. It also has a facet to it that means struggle and intensity. You say, Pastor, what do you believe the word means here? I believe it means all of that. The effectual desperation prayer. The effectual energy and emotion prayer. The effectual struggle and intensity prayer of a righteous man or woman. God hears and God moves on. Fervent prayer is what Jacob had when he wrestled with God and said, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Fervent prayer is what Epaphras had when he prayed hard and long for Paul in the ministry that God had given him. Fervent prayer is what Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed so intensely that his sweat turned to drops of blood. When's the last time you and I have ever prayed like that? Most of our prayers are easy prayers, light prayers, short prayers, casual prayers, cliche prayers. Prayers that couldn't shake a leaf off a tree or blow a blade of grass two inches. When's the last time you shed a tear in your prayers? The great tragedy of the church is we're a dry-eyed church in a hell-bound world, in a hurting world, and it doesn't seem to bother us. Heard the story about an alcoholic who was dying in a hospital. The chaplain came and paid the courtesy visit that they often do. And the chaplain said to the alcoholic who was dying, what can I do for you? And the man said, will you pray like my mama? Will you pray? And the chaplain bowed his head and began to pray in a deep voice. And the man said, excuse me, would you pray like my mama? The chaplain then began to pray in a loud voice. And the man interrupted him again and said, would you pray like my mama? The chaplain then began to pray in a fast voice. Picked up the pace, you might say. And the man said, sir, would you pray like mama? And the chaplain began to pray eloquently, theologically. And the man said, Sir, would you pray like my mama? And the chaplain finally, in a little bit of frustration, said, Well, how did your mama pray? He said, When mama prayed, heaven paid attention. In fact, the kingsman made a song of that. 
Does heaven pay attention when we pray? Or do we just pray as a courtesy? And then lastly, moving toward lastly, Elijah prayed with persistence. You remember in 1 Kings 18, he's up on the mountain praying, isn't he? He's in the fetal position. He's by himself except for a servant that's with him. And he tells the servant, would you go out and look across the sea and tell me, do you see anything? The servant goes and comes back and says, I don't see anything, Elijah. Elijah keeps praying and says, would you go again? Seven times the number of God, ironically, perhaps. He sends him out to look at the sea and see if there's any clouds in the sky. Is there a black cloud possibly appearing because God's going to bring rain? And you don't get rain out of white clouds. You don't get rain out of no clouds. Surely there must be a black cloud somewhere. And the servant comes back on the seventh time. And he says, I begin, I'm looking up there and I see a little black cloud. It's not big, but it's growing. You see, Elijah kept praying. Even though initially he didn't see what he wanted to see. He didn't get what he wanted to get. He didn't give up. Ladies and gentlemen, we, when we pray, there should be no give up, change up, slow up, back up or let up. We just keep up. We just keep praying. Colossians 4.2 says, continue in prayer. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Sometimes the Lord says, I'm going to answer your prayer, but I'm going to make you wait a little bit. I'm not through doing what I want to do in other people's lives before I move on you. The Lord saves time. He saves energy because when he answers your prayer, he's often answering a bunch of other prayers with it. He wraps all the shoestrings together at once, you might say. Elijah prayed with persistence, believing that God in his own time, in his own way, was going to do what he prayed for him to do. And then notice, if you would, lastly in verse 45, Elijah prays with success. He prays with success. He prayed with holiness. He prayed with sincerity. He prayed with humility. He prayed with passion. He prayed with persistence. But lastly, ladies and gentlemen, he prayed successfully. Isn't that what prayer is all about? Seeing God bring victories, not defeat. Seeing God bring fruit, not famine. Seeing God bring success, not failure. And verse 45, it says... Because he persisted, God brought the rain. Now, your Bible might say great rain. It might say heavy rain. But whatever word is used, it was a whole bunch of rain. Exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything the prophet would have ever thought to ask or could have imagined. That word great rain suggests the bottom fell out. We know a little bit about that in Charleston, don't we? The bottom fell out. It was a torrent. It was a flood. 
It was a frog strangler. Buckets of water came out of the sky. This is to a nation that hadn't seen one single drop of rain in three and a half years. And all of a sudden, the skies break loose. And a flood comes from above. We usually think a flood's coming from below. This flood came from above. Wow. Now remember, this is not just a story about Elijah, is it? It's not just a story about what God did through an ordinary man thousands of years ago. It's a story about you and me right now and how God is going to use ordinary people to do some extraordinary things tonight if we will follow the recipe that he gives us to bring forth the victory. I think it's always good when you move the things the Bible teaches from the objective to the subjective. You see, you can argue with me and say, Bible, Pastor, that's what the Bible says, but I don't believe the Bible. I don't even believe Elijah was a real man. I just believe he was symbolic of... Well, let's set Elijah aside. I'm going to tell you about a man that I do know. I'm going to take you back to the summer of 1982. This man was down to his last dime. That's not figurative speech, that's literal speech. He had resigned his position. He had no job. He resigned his position because he was going to seminary. He was going to pay for his seminary with the sale of his house. A sale that seemed to be so sure, so solid, absolutely fail-proof. But the sale fell through. So now he has a house, still having to make payments, no money to go to seminary where he's been accepted and is to enroll in just a few weeks. He has a wife that has a three-month-old son. Bills are now due. Food is low. The gas tank on the car is on empty. He doesn't have any sense to ask anybody for help. No money for school. His job has been filled by another. He's been a Christian for about four years. So one afternoon in the backyard, he just goes to his knees and prays and says, God, I don't understand all of this. I don't even know how to pray. But God, I need you to do something. Call it simple, childlike faith if you want. That's probably what it was. But it was a prayer of desperation, a prayer of help, maybe a prayer of hope. Several hours after he fell to the ground and prayed in his backyard, this gentleman, the insurance man pulled up in his yard. His name was Bill Fenners, state farm rep. The man was rather surprised to see him. He never came out to the house. You're going to pay your bill, you go to his office. 
but he drove out to the house. Said he was just passing through the area, and he had a check to give the man. Check for over $700. Seemed like the man had overpaid on his insurance, and he didn't even know it. $700 in just a few hours. That allowed him to pay his bills, gas up the vehicles, put some food in the house, buy some diapers for that new baby. That same young man went off to school and had $40 a month to live on, and that would pay for his gas and his room and his board at seminary. He didn't have any money to pay for anything else. That same young man, three months later, would have somebody step up. His name was Donald Morris, and he said, I want to pay for your seminary everything for three and a half years. How do I know all of that? Because I was the young man. I'm not telling you something I don't know. I've experienced what prayer can do. And if we ask for testimonies tonight, some of you could stand and give alike testimonies of how God has came through for you when there seemed to be no way that it was ever going to happen. Tonight, we're going to be having a prayer service. Now, the principles that I've taught you I hope that you've wrote down. I hope that you will employ them in the future. But quite frankly, it's too late right now to try to practice them. But I want you to do them. What we're going to do tonight is simply this. You say, Pastor, I know what we're going to do. I've seen it done on TV before. No, you haven't seen nothing. That's the circus you saw on TV. And the so-called faith healer is nothing but the ringmaster putting on a show. I'm sorry, it is. What we're going to do tonight is, first of all, to those of you who have physical need, I want you to know we love you here. And we do pray for you here. We do want to do everything we can to encourage you in what you're going through. But for those of you who have a physical need, a couple of things I want you to remember before I bring you up here in just a moment. I want you to understand there's nothing magical about what we're going to do tonight. This is not hocus-pocus. This is not going to be sleight-of-hand trickery. We didn't ask you to check in at a desk before we let you come up. There's nothing magical about this service. We're simply going to be inviting the Lord. What is prayer? It's inviting the Lord. It's not ordering the Lord. It's inviting the Lord to come and join you tonight as you go through this journey of physical challenge. So nothing magical about tonight. Secondly, I want those of you who will be coming with physical need to understand There's no guarantees tonight. 
As I said to you just a moment ago, we don't order God. God is sovereign. He's a king. He's a Lord. He sits on a throne. So we don't tell God what to do. We simply make a request of a heavenly Father who loves us more than we will ever know to step into this situation tonight that you might be going through and to do what is right and what is best and what would please Him. So there's no, nothing magical about what we're going to do. There's no guarantees about what's going to happen. And I want you to understand something. What happens tonight or doesn't happen tonight has nothing to do with how much God loves you. Sometimes we get the impression God did something for him, but he didn't do it for me, so God must love him more than me. Folks, that's not true. God loves us all equally. He loves us all the same. Do you understand that? It's not about God's love for you. It's not about how much faith you have. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain into the ocean. So don't walk out of here and say, if I would have just had enough faith, it would have happened. It's not about your faith. It never has been. It's not about how much God loves you. He loves you right now at the highest level He can. It's not how good you are. The Bible says nobody's good. It's not about how close you are to the Lord or you, His anointed. Don't fall for all that TV stuff. It's all about what God wants to do by His grace. Keep that all in mind. In just a moment, I'll be calling for all of you who have a physical need, and I'll be asking you if you would just come, those of you that can come, and stand all across this front, all down the walls if we need be. If you're here tonight and you can't stand for five minutes or so, we understand that. We would simply ask that you might make your way and just sit up here in this pew here if you have to sit. Okay? You come and you just sit right there. The others will come and they will stand along the wall and across the front. And we'll call for you in just a moment. I told you in promoting this that this is not a service where people are going to be spectators. Either you're going to be coming because you need prayer or you're going to be coming because you are going to pray. You say, but pastor, wait a minute, I'm an ordinary person. I know you are. Pastor, I'm a simple person. I know you are. Pastor, I don't know what to say. I know you don't. Pastor, I don't say things very good. I know you don't. Pastor, I'm weak and I'm flawed. I have faults. Welcome to the club. But God tonight is going to use you. If you will allow Him to, just like He used Elijah. A man, the Bible said, who was just like us. Why do you think the Bible said that? Because it wants us to be like Elijah. A man who prayed and saw a great miracle occur. And that was just one of many he saw. So what about those of us who are going to be coming to pray? 
When you come, I want to ask you to pull up alongside of one of these that are standing up here. I'll have my staff here to direct you if you need help. We would ask men to go to men, ladies to go to ladies. We would ask if we have teenagers who come, that men would go to the teenage boys, ladies would go to the teenage girls. Pull up alongside of them, if you will. That's why it's important that we have proper spacing so people can see who's up here and they know who to pull up alongside. You can pull up alongside somebody you know. You can pull up alongside somebody you don't know. But those of you who are praying, I don't want you to come up here with anxieties and worries and stress that I don't know what to say. The same God who brings you up here to pray, He'll put the words in your mouth. I want you to make sure that when you pray for the person who has the need, that you give God a thank you for who He is before you go and ask Him to do something. We talked about that this morning. We want to make sure that we love the heart of God, not just the hand of God. We want to make sure that we love God, not just the gifts that we're asking Him to give us, in this case, the gift of healing. So make sure you say thank you. Say thank you to God for who He is before you go and ask Him to do something on behalf of the person you're standing next to. And the thing I want you to understand, one more thing for those of you who are coming to pray for these folks who are up here. This prayer is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Because the principles that I taught you through Elijah on how we're to pray is going to take some time to get incorporated in your life. I don't expect you to be able to do all of them tonight. But what I want you to do is take the principles that you learned. I want you to go home, put them in your life. And I want you to continue to pray for this person that you stand up here with. I want you to get their name and their telephone number. If you need a card to write their name and telephone number on it, if you don't know it, we've got them in the main foyer out here. So before you leave, you take them if you don't know who they are. If you don't have their phone number, you take them to the front when you're through with them and get that information. Because then you're going to take the principles that we've talked about tonight through the life of Elijah. And you're going to pray for them. Because remember, Elijah prayed how many times before God brought the rain? Seven. You might pray a week, you might pray a month, you might pray six months, you might pray a year. But you're just going to keep praying for that person. And you're going to keep up with them. So you'll know how they're doing as you pray for them. So when you come up here, this is not a one-shot deal. It's an ongoing thing. As you put these principles into your prayer life, and you specifically use these principles to pray for the one that God would have you to pray for, for their full and complete healing, whatever that might mean, in the name of Jesus. So we got that? All right, I'm going to ask those of you tonight who have come tonight with a physical need. It might be minor, it might be major. It might be a chronic illness, it might be a disease, it doesn't matter. 
But God has impressed you tonight to come, that you can be part of this service because God wants to do something for you, maybe even tonight. I'm going to ask those of you with that physical need, those of you who cannot come and stand, you remember, you come and just be seated right here. If you can't even come up to here, you just raise your hand where you're at and we're going to make sure we come to you. Okay? But those of you with a physical need, would you now leave your seat and come and line the frontier, line the sides. I'll ask my staff if they will make sure we have proper spacing. 